0: 1 Corinthians chapter 16, it is Father's Day, so I want to preach a message to the fathers. And for you young men that are not yet fathers, Lord willing you will be. Um, I mentioned at the beginning of the service that I don't know that there's ever been a more important time for fathers in Western society. Because we live in a time where things like toxic masculinity are talked about. Toxic masculinity. Like I said last week, the greatest problem in the world is that men are too manly. Right? Have you ever seen Birkenstocks? You know? The, the, all the frail men. You're going to try on a suit. You know, and the sleeves are this big. My brother-in-law says they're made for frail men. Right? We're Americans. We eat meat. Right? The problem in the world is not an overabundance of masculinity. That's not the problem. The other thing that you hear about are all the problems with the patriarchy. How many of you have heard something like that <laughs> you know, in the news? You read something? The problems with the patriarchy. And that women are oppressed because of the patriarchy. Well, let me just tell you something. Women are elevated in a Christian society far more than any other society. You know, somebody might get offended when you say that Western society is better than other societies. Well, man, other societies make you ladies walk around in a beekeeper suit. Not allowed to drive, not allowed to testify in court, not allowed not allowed to go outside without a male escort, not allowed to do any of those things. And I think those might be a good idea. I have a daughter, so I think that that might be a good idea for her. I don't know. Why do they do those things? Because women are property. The, 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 in Scripture, in Christianity, women are elevated and honored. So, the problem in the world is not the patriarchy. It's not toxic masculinity. The problem in the world is sin and a world system that wants to undermine God's priorities in the world. Amen? Amen. We need strong, godly women. We need strong, godly men. The problem in the world is not toxic masculinity. But let me just tell you something. Anytime you have a movement to suppress masculinity... There is this thing called testosterone that some men still have. They're not, they're not all soy boys. We're not all frail men. The, there are some men in the world, but the pro, here's what happens. When you have a world that is post-Christian, like America, and manliness is suppressed, it doesn't go away. It comes back in violence. Man, you've got to be careful who you talk to on the road because it might be some guy that's this into the MMA and just nuts and all that stuff. You know what I'm talking about? You don't have any idea what you're getting into because when you don't have a biblical understanding of masculinity, I like what Ravi Zacharias said. He said, a gentleman never hurts someone unintentionally. Isn't that good? A gentleman needs to know how to fight. A gentleman needs to know how to defend his family. A gentleman needs to know how to stand up when it's time to stand up. But he's not a thug. He's not a brute. But here's the problem. Those feminists that want to push this concept of toxic masculinity, they think that all men are boorish. That all masculinity is bad. That's just ridiculous. Can you imagine flipping it around? The problem in the world is there's too much femininity. Femininity. Can you imagine if you said that out loud? Richard Simmons couldn't have a job anymore. Can you imagine if, if you just came out and said those things? Have you noticed that every male announcer, every commercial Is some soy boy, dweeb, soft, needs to be punched in the face punk. How many of you men know exactly what I'm talking about? You just can't stand what is being portrayed as manliness. 20 years ago, it was metrosexual, so you needed to get in touch with your feminine side and all of that. The world is upside down, it is completely crazy. And our problem is we're trying to look at worldly categories of male and female when it's all completely, it's all completely upside down. Completely upside down. I watched a a video this week of a guy debating this lady, or, or actually it was a man that became a lady on how many genders there are. And the conversation is so insane. It is just insane. Let me just tell you there are two male and female, created he them. And let me shock you. You Be careful, cover the children's ears. They're different. Now, are there women? that are more masculine than other women? Yes. Are there men that are more feminine than other men? Yes. yes. Does the Bible define what a lady is supposed to be and what a man's supposed to be? Yes. That's it. And what I want to do today is I want to go to the Scriptures and I want to encourage you men on what the Bible says that we're supposed to be. And what's interesting is there's some assumptions. There are some things that are not explained in the text, some assumptions. And I want to deal with some of those biblical assumptions to help encourage you guys today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer first. Lord, thank you for our men. And you know that we prayed for you to bring men to this church. We had strong men when I came to the church, but I knew that if we were going to grow, we needed more. And you've done that. I look around this room, and I see men that I'm proud to call my friends. And, Lord, you've brought men here. And these young men, whether they're high school or the epic class, these young men, Lord, they, they're doing what you have called them to do, and I'm so thankful for that. Lord, I pray that today that we get some encouragement from your word on what we are to do. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and look at verse 13. Watch ye. So this is, this is the end of Paul's first epistle to the church at Corinth. And he's giving them some final instructions and he tells them to do five things. Verse 13, watch ye. So the first thing is watch. Then he says, stand fast in the faith. So watch, stand fast in the faith. Then look at this, quit you like men. Quit you. So this is just be a man. And then it says, be strong. And then let all your things be done with charity. All right, so the first thing that I want to talk about is I want to talk about watching. What are we supposed to do? The, according to the Scriptures here, we are to watch. Watch. Um, in Matthew chapter 24, we're not, and I'm just going to... We might turn to some of these, but I'll just read a couple of them to you. The Christian should watch for the return of the Lord. You know, Jesus Christ is coming back. How many of you believe that? He's still coming back. I, I preached a funeral this week and um, for our our former neighbor down the road here. And there are some folks that I didn't know, and um, I, I believe quite a few people received Christ at the funeral. But when I was talking about the return of the Lord, I could tell from a couple of people, they didn't have any idea what I was talking about, the return of the Lord. And there might be folks here that don't know. The Bible says, keep your place here uh, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians. Go to Acts chapter 1. Verse 11, I guess verse 9 for the context, Acts 1, verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Jesus Christ is coming back. Look at John. Go back one book, John chapter 14. Look at verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Jesus Christ is coming back. So, guys, what we need to do is we need to be watching for the Lord's return. So let me just be real honest with you. How many of you would ju- you men would just be honest and say, you know what, I really didn't think much about that this week? Would you raise your hands? Honestly. I'm the same way. If I wasn't preparing for this message, I don't know that I would have thought about it. That's why we need to be reminded. We need to watch for the Lord's return. He's coming back. Man, how cool would it be for it to be today? And you all know what I always say about that, guys. Before I got married, uh, you know what I'm going to say, right? Before I got married, I wanted, didn't want the Lord to return until I got married. Now that I'm married, I say, even, com- even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. <laughs> we need to be praying for the return of the Lord. It could be today. We need to watch... For the Lord's return, that's, what, that's one of the things we're supposed to watch for. And then we should watch, um, we need to watch to make sure that the preacher is not a wolf in sheep's clothing. Let's look at a passage on that. Look with me in Acts chapter 20. Look at verse 28. So Paul's getting ready to leave Ephesus, and he's giving some instructions to the church. Verse 28. "'Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock.'" "...also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one of you night and day with tears." How often when I'm preaching, look at this, look at this, watch, watch out for this, look at this. This is what we are supposed to do as men. It is our job to watch, to make sure there are no false teachers entering into the church. It really does matter what you believe. Amen? It really does matter. That means we need to know what's going on. Watch. You need to watch to make sure that there are no wolves that enter into the church. Then look at Matthew 26. You know... I mentioned this on Mother's Day, that there's different types of messages that you can preach on these days. You can preach about mothers or about fathers. You can you could preach a message on how to treat your father, or you can preach about what fathers are supposed to do. For me, my favorite kind of teaching is for me to receive is tell me how to do this. Tell me how I can do this better. Not necessarily what I need to do, because I already know that I stink at a bunch of stuff. So what I need to know is how to do this better. Give me the practical steps on how to do this. That's what we're doing this morning. And the first thing that the apostles, by by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is telling us to do is to watch. Now look at Matthew 26, look at verse 41. Watch and pray that ye enter... Did I give you the verse? Sorry, Matthew 26, verse 41. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak. So watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. So what does that mean? We need to recognize that in this world there's temptation. Guys, anytime you say, I I don't have that problem. I got this licked. I'm good. Uh, You know what's about to happen? You're about to get hit in the face with it. And so watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Uh, Listen, living in this world, we don't need any more temptation, do we? So we need to be aware of it. We need to watch and, and acknowledge that. Now, please do this. I'm not going to preach a sermon on each and every one of these points, but consider them in your life. What are some things that you need to watch out for? Could it be your entertainment? Could it be you know the little girl in the office that likes to come in and close the door? What, watch, watch, and pray. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Um, look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. How long are we supposed to watch? Until the end. Verse 7, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. So how are we supposed to watch? Well, we're supposed to watch to pray. By being aware of what's going on, we know what to pray. We pray meaningfully. But then it also says to be sober, to be sober. Don't be too high, don't be too low, and don't be drunk. Right? It's very difficult to be... How many of you guys served in the military? What would happen if you were drunk on watch? Is that a bad thing? Is that something that you're probably not supposed to do? Well, for the believer, we're always supposed to be on watch. Isn't that that a good analogy? We're always supposed to know what's going on. We need to be in control of our senses. We need to watch. That's the first thing that God says a Christian man is supposed to do, and we're supposed to be sober. Um, Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is pretty interesting. Look at verse 6. Let us therefore not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Do you know a lot of people go through life as if they're sleepwalking? You know know what the Bible's telling us to do? Wake up. Wake up. Look around you. Know what's going on in the world. Know what's going on in your home. Know what's going on in your family. You need to know where your kids are. Remember when that used to come on? It's 10 10 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? Remember that? Uh, they don't do that anymore because it would be, it's 10 o'clock. Do you know who your children are? <laughs> the, the world has changed so much. It's gone so far off the deep end that this idea that parents would be responsible not only for their children, but where they are. How many of you know nothing good happens after 10 o'clock? Right? Go home. Time to go home. All right? So watch, be aware. Of what's going on, don't sleep as do others, but watch and be sober. Look at verse 8 here in, in 1 Thessalonians 5. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and hope, and an helmet, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. Man, it's just really important for us to know that, man, this world is out to get us. First Peter 5:8 says, Be sober, be vigilant. For your adversary the devil walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You know, Satan personally isn't coming after you, but he's established a system that will destroy you. You've got to watch. You've got to be aware. You need to know what is going on. You can pray for your pastor. Look at Hebrews chapter 13. I was just in with the epic class today, and this is basically what I was doing with them Hebrews chapter 13. Look at verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So what's this passage talking about? So as your pastor... When I am communicating the Word of God to you and I'm doing it accurately, you're supposed to submit to that. You don't submit to me personally. I don't come and tell you how to mow your grass or trim your bushes or what car to buy. What I do is I stand up and tell you what the Bible says, and your job is to pray for me that I do that well, and then you submit to that. It's really a strange thing for a man to say, you need to submit to me. Right? That would be completely unbiblical. You're supposed to submit to the teaching of the Word of God that God uses me to communicate with you. Okay, But notice what it says, that my job is to watch for your souls. To watch for your souls. I can't say out loud all of the things that I think about and that I watch about and that I worry about for you guys. If I see something that's going, hey, I wonder what's going on there. I might ask somebody, hey, how's so-and-so doing? How's so-and-so doing? How, what, what's going on with this? Why? Because, because I care. I went in with the young people today because I want to just give them some practical lessons on how to live as a Christian in this world. How many of you think that's getting easier? No. But then look at what it says. So at the end of verse, or the middle of verse 17, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. The Bible says, I have no greater joy than to see my children walk in truth. Uh, we looked at the verse in uh, First. Thessalonians three eight, where Paul says, For now we live when you stand uh, in the faith or in truth. So when you guys stand, then the preacher lives, you know, because that's our life is for you guys to live according to the Word of God. That's where joy comes from. Where grief comes from is when you fall. Why? Not because you've sinned. Let me, let me get your attention. I see some people wandering off here. Um, not, the grief isn't because you've sinned it's because of the result of that sin in your life, right? I don't want your life messed up. That, that's, that's where the grief comes. And uh, I heard a preacher say one time that when a pastor's heart is broken, it's very difficult for the pastor to do his job because the pastor's job is heart work. And when his heart is broken, he's trying to work with a broken instrument, right? Right? So what pleases the pastor, a godly pastor, is not money and raises and numbers. That's not what pleases a godly pastor. What pleases a godly pastor is holy lives in the lives of his people, right? What grieves the pastor or breaks the pastor's heart is the result of sin in people's lives, whether it's divorce or, or you know, sin, just all the horror that comes from it. And then we try and protect the young people from that. Amen? So that they don't have to experience those things. Um, so let, let, let's just go on. That's, that's what the pastor is supposed to do. Um, but let's go on. Go back to uh, 1 Corinthians. Practical. Five things a man's supposed to do, he's supposed to watch. I think it's Michael Bermond who has a famous saying. You'll know, Tell Jacob, don't be dumb. <laughs> is that right, Michael? Yes. Don't be dumb. Watch. Do you know what that's telling you guys? Say it out loud for me. Don't be dumb. Come on. You can do better than that. Ready, guys? What, what's it telling you? Don't be dumb. dumb. Don't be dumb. That, that's what watching is. Don't be ignorant. Know what's going on around you. Be aware. Know what's happening, all right? So, watch. And then, so we're back in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 13. I'm sorry, 16. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. Watch ye stand fast in the faith. Stand fast in the faith. You know there are men that are standing fast. They're unmovable in their sin. They're unmovable in their ignorance. Have you ever talked to somebody that was stubborn about something that's not true? And it's obviously not true, right? You're talking to them, and you're trying to persuade them. You're trying to tell the truth, and they're unmovable in their ignorance. I mean, that's a really bad place to be. We're supposed to stand fast in the faith. We're supposed to stand fast in the faith. But the problem is you need to know where to stand. If you don't know the faith, how can you stand fast in it? Isn't that right? If you're supposed to watch to make sure I don't teach false doctrine, or if you're supposed to watch to make sure false doctrine doesn't enter in the church, how are you going to do it if you don't know what the faith is? Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You need to know what the Bible says. You need to know how to stand in it and then stand fast. That, the idea of stand fast, that's fastened. I'm not moving. I'm not going anywhere. I am standing in the faith. Do you know what I love? Let me just say this out loud. I love it that my son, Jacob, who's 19 years old, has been able to watch Dan New his entire life stand in the faith. He's been able to watch Ty Blackford his whole life stand in the faith. You you, you see what I'm talking about? Other of you men in this room, he's been able to see those men unmovable his whole life life. That's fantastic. You know, imagine if Dan said, well, I just didn't like that. I just hurt. He just hurt my feelings. <laughs> Dodie, you go talk to him. <laughs> it's not going to happen. There have been times where Dan's come and talk to me. I was being belligerent on the softball field one time. I know that shocks you he came and he said you say one more thing i'm leaving you know what i did shut my mouth <laughs> see it's really important folks it's really important that our young people you men that that they get to see your faithfulness for all of these years stand fast in the faith see that's the difference I love it that you young people get to see Ty Blackford with his silliness and his craziness, but also his hardness and his faithfulness. It's fantastic. I love it that you guys get to have that. I love it. See, that's what I want you men in the next generation to be. I'm glad, like I'm looking at Matt Holesclaw here. That's who Matt is going to be. He's already been that. But now for the next 20 years, I have no doubt that Matt's going to be doing that faithfully. Boom, 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 boom. Those are the men that God has brought to Grace Baptist Church. We need to be that for someone else. Stand fast in the faith. That's the idea. Um, look at, keep your place here. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. How are we supposed to stand? Ephesians 4, verse 14. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. You know, standing fast in the faith means that we're not blown about by false doctrine. Right? The next weird thing that comes along. We're not going to be praying the prayer of Jabez. Right the next the next important book that comes along when that uh, Wilkerson, he went and prayed the prayer of Jabez over like Zambia in Africa or something, and he came back bankrupt. Why? Because that verse wasn't for him. It's taken out of context. It didn't work. You, you understand what I'm saying? So what we need to do is we need to make sure that we know what the Bible says and we can stand in it, because people get really discouraged when they expect God to do something for them he never promised to do. We need to know what the Bible says. We need to know how to stand. Um, let me just... One more verse on standing and then we'll move on. Look at Philippians 1, verse 27. Philippians one twenty-seven. This is what the church is supposed to do. Only let your conversation... That's your lifestyle, the way we interact in the world. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. So it flatters... It fits with the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye look at, stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So, as men in the church, you're supposed to watch, you're supposed to stand in the faith, but not only are we supposed to stand in the faith individually, but corporately, we are to have one mind striving together for the work of the gospel. That's what we're supposed to be doing together. So while we're standing, we're actually standing for something. And look at what it says at the end of the verse, striving together for the faith of the gospel. That's the way that we are to stand. Now we could talk about the Ephesians 6, stand therefore having your loins girt about with the truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, all of those things that we're supposed to do we are able to stand because of what the Holy Spirit does in us. Now, look with me at um, back to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Watch ye therefore, stand fast in the faith, and then, man, is this perfect for Father's Day, quit you like men. Quit you like men. Now that word quit, we know that it can mean to stop. How many of you think the Bible wants you to stop acting like a man? (laughs) No, that's not what it's saying. That's just an old word that means act like a man. Behave, demonstrate, live like a man. Now, this is where I wanted to get to the assumptions. How many of you can see there's an assumption there? There's an assumption that people know what a man's supposed to be. Isn't that interesting? Act like a man. There was just a, a campaign that was supposed to help girls... And it was throw like a girl. How many of you saw that? You saw that. Because how many of you guys don't want someone to say you throw like a girl? Many, raise your hand if you don't want someone to say you throw. Why is that? Because girls don't throw like guys. That's all that's talking about. You throw like a girl. Now here's what somebody will say. Well you've not seen so and so throw. I will say this. Some of you girls that do that fast pitch, I guarantee you throw it faster than I could. I don't know how to do that. But how many of you know exactly what it's talking about when someone says you throw like a girl? How many of you know what this is saying when it says quit yourself like a man? Do you know what that is implying? There's some implications there. Number one, that you know what it means. I fear that we live in a culture that doesn't know what it means anymore. And that's on purpose see, what is a man? A man, just, just, just a simple list that I think everyone can agree on. I won't get into some of my extreme stuff. I'll just get some stuff that I think we can all agree on. Number one, a man fulfills his responsibilities. He does what he's supposed to do when he's supposed to do it without complaint. That's When you talk about the men that you respect, that's primarily the thing that you respect about them. They keep their word. They do what they say when they're supposed to do it without complaining. Wouldn't that be a good thing for all of us Christian men to be that kind of man? No excuses. No regrets. Do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. Fulfill your responsibilities. And don't be a girl. How many of you can see that there's an implication? Be a man. That means don't be a woman. Right? So my friends would say that. Our Baptist history tour, like Dalt might say to me, you're such a woman. You know, if you don't want to do something, you might say that. Now, in our culture, that's insulting to women. It's not intended to be insulting to women. It's saying that men and women are different and guys aren't supposed to act like women. Is that fair? There are some assumptions men and women are different. We are just different. And the implication is that when it says be a man, it means you do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it without complaining and you're not a girl. Be a guy. Finish what you're supposed to finish. Do right. We could talk about a lot more of those things. Primarily, it is act like a man. Um, I want to read you two other verses where that's used in the scriptures. I'll just read them to you. The first one is in 1 Samuel four nine. It says, Be strong and quit yourselves like men, o, Phil- o ye Philistines, that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews, as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. So this is heathen who understand that the Hebrews are coming in and the only way they're going to be able to stop them is to fight. So... In the Bible, it gives us an understanding that what are men supposed to do? Men are supposed to be willing to fight when it appears there's no way to win. Do you know that we live in a culture where it appears there's no way for a godly man to win? Do you know what we're supposed to do? Quit yourself like a man. Do it anyway. Get out there regardless of the circumstances regardless of whatever the result is, and do what you're supposed to do. The other place where it's used is in 2 Samuel ten twelve. This is where Joab says, Be of good courage, and let us play the men for our people, and for the cities of our God, and the Lord do that which seemeth him good. Um, I, I want you to understand something. Wonder Woman is not real. There's no race of Amazon women that are going to come and fight better than the men. That's not real. Amen. Amen. Do you know who's going to go and fight? It's the men. Why is that? Why have we never had women in combat? That's happening now. Why have we not had women in combat? Because we respect women, and they're just not as strong as a man in general. How many of you know a woman that's as strong as a man? Right? How many of you know that that's unusual? Right? Right? Dalton Robertson said one time, he said, there's not a woman in here I can't whip. He said that. I questioned that. I didn't know if that was a true statement or not. I've seen his wife. Um, So, it's really important that we understand that this concept of quit yourself like men has to do with battle. It's ready to fight. So what are we fighting as men? Well, the world, the flesh, and the devil. That's the fight that we're in. But it could be that we need to fight physically. And in order to be able to fight physically, what does that mean? That means you've got to be able to take care of your body. You need to watch. You need to know what's going on. And you need to have an awareness that the, there is a time when violence might be necessary. Do you understand we have a culture that disagrees with that? How many of you saw the video of the moron running for Congress who pepper sprayed himself? How many of you saw that? That guy's dumb as a bag of hair. This idea that you're going to stop a shooter with an automatic weapon with pepper spray, okay, you do that. It's crazy. When it's time to fight, it's time to fight. And to to wish guns away, it's not going to happen. So the best way to stop a bad guy with a gun is for there to be a good guy with a gun. What does that mean, guys? You know how to shoot a gun, we do concealed carry here. You, know how to protect, you need to know how to protect your family. You need to know how to protect your church. We, we don't, we're not waiting to call somebody if someone comes into Grace Baptist Church. If someone came in here right now, it would be the last thing they ever did. Why? Because we got some women that can really shoot. <laughs> we really do. What are we supposed to do? We need to be ready to fight. Listen, that is to fight spiritually and that is to fight physically. You know, we tolerate things in this world that should not be tolerated anymore. And so we need to be ready. Quit yourself like men. And then so verse 13, we're back in 1 Corinthians 16:13. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. How does the Bible tell us to be strong? Well, the Bible says be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, there are some of you men, you're physically strong and and you're naturally physically strong. And it's fun to watch you guys work and what you guys can do. Other guys, you're not physically strong. Do you know what you need to do? You need to get physically strong. And there's this thing, it's an amazing thing, it's called exercise. Whatever it takes. Man, I'm just telling you, this right here, my job, it's not much of a workout. You know what I mean? My, my jaws are amazingly strong. I talk a lot. So if I want to be strong physically, what do I need to do? I need to exercise. The Bible says be strong. Sometimes we take these things and we spiritualize it. When the Bible says be strong, what do you think it means? It means to be strong. Now, does it want us to be strong in the faith? There are other places where it says that. Here it just says be strong. So do you know what I think that means? Be strong. Be strong. Now, how many of you know that as you get older, you get weaker? Right? I've reached that double nickel. And so if I want to stay strong, it's got to be on purpose. Now look. Somebody might be out there saying, look at him. He thinks he's strong. Tony Slade. All I'm saying is I'm stronger than I would be if I didn't do anything. The Bible says be strong. It doesn't say be as strong as Tony Slade. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, are are you following me? Do you understand what I'm saying? Is this practical? Some of you dweebs, video games do not make you strong because you can kick somebody in the face on a video game does not mean it's real. Right? Be strong. Be strong. Men, be strong. We need strong men in this culture. All right. Without skinny jeans. All right. Then... Can you picture Tony Slade and Skinny? G- so, <laughs> don't do that. All right, don't don't picture that. All right. <laughs> I just lost half the crowd right there. Hi, Tony. How you doing back there? Everybody, look back at Tony. He loves attention. All right. Back to verse thirteen. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. Oh man. Now, guys, honestly, we've all kind of liked it so far, right? Would you be honest? But look at what God does to us. Verse 14 Let all your things be done with charity. What is that? So I got to watch with charity. What is charity? It's not necessarily giving to the poor. Remember what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says, though I, bestow all my, though I give my body to be burned and bestow all my goods to feed the poor and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. So charity isn't necessarily giving things away. Charity is love that gives. It is investing yourself for the good of someone else. So I stand for the good of someone else. I watch for the good of someone else. I am ready to fight like a man for the good of someone else. I'm strong for someone else, man. Did that just change everything? See, because we move from an inward focus. Well, well, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch for everything that has to do with me. No, I'm watching for others. I'm gonna stand fast in the faith because I care about the truth for others. You see how it all changes? Uh, what, what was that next one? Quit you like men. I'm gonna be ready to fight. I'm willing to fight for you. And boy, I hope you young people know this. When something comes up at the school, I'll be there like this. I will fight for you with your principal, with your administration. I'll fight for you guys. With the band director. I'll fight for you guys. I'm ready to do that. Um, then be strong. You know that some people aren't interested in strength and, and that type of thing. And that's fine. Except for the Bible tells you to be strong. And the reason that you need to invest in that is because we need to be ready to help someone else. Not about you. It's about someone else. That's who we are supposed to be. Amen? Amen. Men, five things that we're supposed to do. What are the five things? Let's look at it again. Verse 13, we're going to watch. We're going to stand fast in the faith. We're going to quit like men. And we're going to be strong. But we're going to do all of it with godly charity. Which means we're investing that in someone else for their benefit to the glory of God. Fathers, that's what we're supposed to be. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father.